Hey, this is Noah Fritchie, and I'm the lead pastor of Real Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. We've been in this teaching series. It's called Counter Culture, and uh, what we've been talking about is really the book of Daniel and how uh, Daniel really lived in this really secular culture. And, uh, and we, we found out how he really survived this super secular culture. And I really do believe that we can learn a lot from the book of Daniel, and, and in fact, Daniel himself. And so we've been battling how to live godly in an ungodly culture. In fact, Daniel, uh, if you haven't been here in the past couple of weeks, I'll just kind of recap it for you. Daniel wrote at a time when Israel was taken into the Babylonian captivity. So uh, the Babylonian king came over and took Daniel and overthrew Israel. And Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, if that name rings a bell to you, Nebuchadnezzar, he came and defeated Israel, and he took the people, and what he did was he made all of God's people, all the Israelites, he made them all slaves to him. And so the Israelites became slaves to Babylon, and like I said, it was a very secular culture. And Daniel, the battle here is, is that Daniel really wanted to serve God. He had a desire to serve God, but the culture was not that. The culture was anything but allowing him to serve God. And if you've been here in the past couple of weeks, we've learned that the Bible is not set up in chronological order. Uh, the Bible, all the books in the Bible, they're not just labeled from start to finish, although they're kind of close. Uh, they are not totally in chronological order. In fact, the Bible is set up in these different sections. There's a historical section. There is a, a poetic section. There's also a prophetic section. And we've learned that the book of Daniel is in the prophetic section of the Bible, which means that it still has application for us today. That uh, it, it, even, even though the, some of the first part is historical, in fact, the first six chapters of Daniel is historical, I still do believe that the first six chapters of that book still can apply to us today. And I think we can take some lessons. In fact, today we're even going to talk about some warnings that we can take out of the book of Daniel. In fact, today we're really just going to talk about what I'm calling culture's greatest culprit, which is really what I believe is a worn out life. I believe that culture wants to wear you out. It wants to wear you down. It wants to do anything that it can to just to, to totally wear you out so that the devil can come in and use his power inside of you. But we know, and we, when we're going to really find out today, how can we battle this type of culture? How can we battle a type of culture that keeps us busy 24-7? How do we learn whenever we have to say no to some things and be able to say yes to the important things? That's what we're talking about about today. And in fact, our text comes from Daniel chapter 5. So if you've got your Bibles, open your Bibles up to Daniel chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 1. And uh, we're going to go 1 to 7 really quick. Here's what it says in Daniel. It says, King uh, Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. I know this is a hot topic in church about drinking wine. That's why I bolded it for you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, drinking wine, and in fact, I just kind of wanted to point this out, and there's just a biblical note here that I want to point out, that any time that you see a reference to drinking and drunkenness in the Bible, that reference, it doesn't only just mean the literal form of it, it also is just a symbol for a carefree kind of life. 
It's an attitude that, I, it's, it's one of the, these do what I want types of attitudes. So not only, are they're not just drinking wine here, that's not just the awful thing here, but whenever, whenever the Bible talks about that, it's talking about this carefree attitude. So, so the king here, what we can get from this scripture is that King Belshazzar has a, this carefree attitude, this do what I want attitude. And, he, and it goes on to say, while Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. Remember, we talked about that he came and, and raided Jerusalem and, and took all of them into captivity. He took these, he took these gold and, and silver goblets from the temple. And uh, it, it goes on to say, so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. It says, so they brought in the gold goblets that, they had, been, that, that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. And as, as they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. And here's what we can learn here is that not only are they praising other gods, here's, here's the important key part of the text is that they're just mocking God by doing this. By drinking out of these sacred cups and, 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 and praising other gods, all they're doing is just living this carefree, ungodly life. And, and what they're really doing is they're taking holy things and they're disrespecting them. And so they have this total disrespectful attitude towards the real God and, and they're praising other gods. And so they're just being super disrespectful. And it goes on to say, suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared. And I don't know what this might be. I mean, I kind of can imagine it in my mind. I don't know if it was, if, if the hand like just came out of the wall or if it was like a floating hand or if it was like the hand off of Adam's family. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I don't know. I like to imagine the Adam's family hand came out and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. And, the, and it says the king watched the hand as it wrote, it goes on to say that his face turned pale and he was so frightened that his legs basically had fellowship together, right? They became weak and his knees were knocking. And it says that the king summoned the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. Then he said to these wise men of Babylon, he goes and he gets all these people who are supposed to know what they're talking about. And he says, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and will have a gold chain placed around his neck and he will be made third highest ruler in the kingdom. So the king is desperate to find out what this message from God is. And to just skip some scriptures here and tell you a little bit about the rest of the stories is that when these enchanters and all these magicians were brought in, none of them could figure out what it meant. None of them could figure out what the writing meant. And you might be like, well, why, why couldn't they do it? And here's why I believe that they couldn't do it is because all the mysteries of God, God only knows the secret to them. In fact, there's so many mysteries. God has mysteries about your life that you will never know until you connect to the God that has the book written on your life. You will, there are some things about you that you will never, ever know until you actually connect to the true and living God. And in fact, how do I know this? Psalm 139 says, all the days ordained for me are written in your book before one of them came to be. And so God knows everything about your life and he has secrets about your life, but you just have to tap into some of those secrets so that you, you have to tap into the true God to find out 
what those secrets are. And you will never figure out life apart from God. Just a heads up. It's hard to figure out life apart from God. And some of you, maybe you've went and you've tried that before. And many of you probably have a testimony on how you tried to go figure out life without God. And many of you, I'm sure it just didn't work out for you. And so, and, and that's for so many of us. We feel like we've got to go try, try, try. Like, I can do it without God. I can do it without Him. I don't need Him anymore. Like, I'm, I'm strong enough to get through what I'm going through. And it's, it's not true. You cannot do life without God. Go try and see what happens. I can tell you that life will not make sense. It just won't make sense. You can't figure out life apart from God. And so here we are. The enchanters can't figure out what's going on here. They can't figure out the writing. And so the king's wife actually remembers this guy named Daniel. The king's wife remembers Daniel. And uh, she actually brings him before the king. And that's where we pick up in our story. It says, so Daniel was brought before the king. And the king said to him, are you Daniel? One of the exiles that my, that my father, who was Nebuchadnezzar, the king brought from Judah. And I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. It goes on to say, the wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing, and if you can tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Which amazingly, and I don't know if I would do this, because a lot of the times I want to be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And I want to be clothed in purple. And I want the gold chain around my neck. But Daniel, as he, as he was, as humble as he was, is what we learned last week. Uh, Daniel says, no, I don't want your money, essentially, is what he says next. And he says, but I can explain what God is trying to tell you. And he not only says that, but he says, I can explain it because I'm in touch, basically, with the living God who is trying to communicate something to you. And so before Daniel gave this interpretation, he reminded Bel- Belshazzar, which is the king at the time, of what his dad did. He said, you know what? If you remember Nebuchadnezzar, and if you were here last week, we talked about Nebuchadnezzar's fall and how, and how he really had a great fall. And so Daniel, during this time, I'm skipping a few scriptures here. Daniel says, remember that your dad played this game and your dad ignored God and he literally went insane. If you were here last week, you remember that he actually ate grass. Uh, he, he ate grass like a cow. And so, and so Belshazzar would have remembered that. And Daniel told Belshazzar that you're doing the same thing. You're ignoring God. In fact, he says this, instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. I want you to look at the scripture for just a minute. You have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. See, today I, I really do believe that so many of us were doing exactly this. We're setting ourselves up against the Lord of heaven. We're setting ourselves up against Him. And today I just want to show you how we're setting ourselves up against the Lord of heaven. In fact, I believe that God wants to bring us warnings first. And the reason that He brings warnings upon us is because He doesn't want the consequences to fall on us. And here's what I believe the warning is for you today, is that the way that you're living your life, you're setting yourself up against God. So many of us, the way that we're living life, we're setting ourselves up against the true God. 
And if this, if Daniel is a prophetic book like we talked about in the beginning, it, and if it has application for us today, I believe this is one of the biggest applications that you can take home. You need to think about your life and think, am I setting myself up against the living God? It goes on to say, you had the goblets from His temple brought to you, and your nobles and your wives and your concubines drank wine from them. And so, Daniel says you took something that was supposed to be holy and you made it unholy. That happens a lot in our culture today. And it says you praise the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see, hear, or understand. And Daniel's trying to say that you started, you're, you're starting to live your life connecting to things that you were never designed to connect to. You started living your life worshiping things that aren't giving you the meaning of life. There's only one person that can give you the meaning of life. It's, and I can tell you that it's nobody on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. There's only one person that can give you the meaning of life. And we don't connect to Him. And that's what Daniel is saying, that you're worshiping all the wrong stuff here. But you did not honor God who holds in His hands your life. For some of you, you need to know this today, that God holds your life in His hands. He holds your life in His hands. And, here's, and Daniel's trying to tell King Belshazzar that he, he holds your life in His hands and all your ways. Therefore, He sent the hand and wrote the inscription. In fact, you may have heard this before, but we get a very famous saying from this story. It's called handwriting on the wall, or you see the writing on the wall. That's a saying that we say today. And what does that saying mean? It just really it just means that there's imminent doom coming for you. It really just means that you better straighten up. If you see the writing on the wall, it means you better straighten up because bad things are coming to you. And so we know that there's this doom coming, that 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 all this is all this is happening. But what what was wrote on the wall? Well, let's find out here. This is what was wrote on the wall. This was the inscription that was written. It's Many, many, Tikal Parson. Can you imagine God making up these words? <laughs> He's just sitting there and imagine that, uh, that floating hand. And it's like, you know, write this down. Many, many, Tikal Parson. <laughs> like, it's like, what, God? What? One more time, all right? And so this is, this, is what, this is what God writes on the wall. It's many, many, Tikal Parson. And I believe that whenever we're going to dive into these, uh, really these three words today, and I really do believe that these words are warnings for us. And I want to give you something that you can do in response. In fact, if we go to the next verse, we find out what does this word mean? This is what the words mean. Many, which means God has numbered the days of your reign and brought them to the end. Many literally means numbered. And so whenever we look at this, we've got to recognize that our days are numbered. In fact, you, have, you only have a set amount of time that you are here on earth. In fact, not only that, but your time is predetermined. And so you only have a little bit of this thing called life. And, and because you're not recognizing that, that you only have a little bit of it, we're not, many of us, we're not living it properly. In fact, I wrote this down. We forget that our days are numbered. We just forget that our days are numbered, that we are living our lives with a limited amount of time. Say, Pastor Noah, why is this important? Why should I remember that my days are numbered? Because anything that you have a lot of, you waste. It's just a natural thing. If you have a lot of money, 
you probably waste a lot of money. But if you don't have a lot of money, you're probably really tight with your money, and, 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 and you make really good purchases. At least you try to. And so anything that you have a limited amount of, you use wisely. In fact, James says in the New Testament, he says, your life is just a mist. Think about that. Think about your life being so short. It's just a mist. In fact, I heard someone uh, this week, they, they said, uh, you're just living in the dash between two different dates, between your birth date and your death date. And the rest of it, it's just a dash. And it's what you do with that dash is what matters. In fact, I'm here to tell you today, and this is kind of depressing, but you have a death date. It's just, it's the real deal. You have a death date. In fact, aren't you glad you came to church this morning? I'm Noah. <laughs> I'm here to encourage you, all right? But <laughs> it's ser- this is serious stuff. You do, you have a death date. In fact, you will die. In fact, that's what Hebrews says. Hebrews 9, 27, it says, People are destined to die. And after that, they face judgment. And I know this isn't a refrigerator verse to where we want to just, we want to stick it up everywhere and say, hey, that's my verse right there. That's it. No, no. I know this isn't a refrigerator verse, but it's still true. And we need to be reminded of it because we tend to waste whatever we think we have a lot of. In fact, I talked about money. If you, have, if you have a lot of money, you're probably not worried about turning off the lights and, pro- and shutting the doors, right? But if you can't pay the bills, you'll probably hear mom or dad, dad especially, say, turn out the lights, shut the door, right? And, and so it, that's, that's, we just waste what, what we have a lot of. In fact, how would your life be different? I asked myself this question this week, and I, I did a little bit of research on this. And it's interesting to see, how would your, if you ask yourself this question, how would your life be different if you only had 30 days to live? If you had 30 days left on earth, what would you do? How would you live out those, dirty day, or those 30 days? What would you start doing that you're not doing? And really, whatever you start doing that you're not doing, maybe you should actually think about doing that now. What would you do if you only had 30 days left? And whatever those things are, that you you want to start doing, you might want to start doing them now. Because really, in the light of eternity, we we only just have a snap of time. In eternity, when you look at all of eternity, our time is very, very short. And today, I just want to remind you that your life is short and your days are numbered. In fact, I believe the prophetic warning here is that we don't just need to live this carefree, doesn't matter life. So many people live this carefree and this doesn't matter life, but that kind of thinking, I can tell you, will destroy your life and you will waste your days away. And I'm just here to warn you. And just as Daniel warned Belshazzar about, uh, King Belshazzar about that, I'm here to warn you that your days are numbered. Here's the second warning that was in Daniel. It's tekel. It says you have been weighed. Tekel literally means weighed. And so the question today, if, you were, if, if we were asked by God how we were spending our time, would there be one of us in this room say, I'm nailing it. I've got it all right. I'm spending just the right amount of time with God, with my family, with work, and I'm not wasting it. I guarantee nobody in here is like that. Nobody. But it's being weighed. And the truth is, is that we all need to regularly look at our life and take some inventory. And we need to realize that sometimes we need to just take a step back and say, wow, maybe my life has gotten out of order. 
in this part. In fact, I believe the warning here is this, is that we allow our lives to get out of balance. So many of us, we, get, we let our lives get out of balance and we're not spending our time as we should. And that's a dangerous place to be in. And I just want to pause here really quick because I know this is a super heavy message. And you're probably like feeling like kind of pushed down and like really thinking hard about your life. So I'm going to lighten it up for a minute. In fact, I did a little bit of research and I just kind of wanted to show you what the average person in their lifetime, this is what the average person will do. In fact, the average person checks their phone every six and a half minutes. Can you believe that? You've probably checked your phone. It's 150 times per day. That's how we're using our time. Another one is that out of our lifetime, we will spend five solid years surfing the internet. It's amazing. Another thing is that we will drive 798,000 miles. That's enough miles to drive to the moon more than three times. That's how we're spending our time. The average person will also spend 13 years and four months watching TV. It's amazing that I, I do. I love, I watch my amount of TV. So I'm probably right there with you. So I'm right with the average person there. And then they will spend one year looking for misplaced items. <laughs> and the band knows that I lose my keys. Everybody, actually, everybody on the team. Are, if you come to team night, I've probably spent three years just looking for my keys. It's, <laughs> it's an awful problem. Somebody needs to buy me a uh, bright orange keychain or something. I, I don't know. I can't. I lose my keys. Anyway, that's not good. I don't want to spend my time looking for misplaced items. But that's how the average person, that's just some of the things that I thought were kind of funny, that the average person, that's how they spend their time. And the question is, should we have? Should we have spent our time doing all these things? In fact, you, some of these things probably don't apply to you, but you probably have your own list of things that you can put up here. And if you're like the average American, you're trying to figure out how much you can fit in one day. You're trying to figure out how much you can scrunch into that 24-hour day. And the prophetic warning here is this, is that if you don't stop the constant push for more, it will destroy you. That's our culture today. We're trying to jam and, and fit everything in as much time as we can. We're doing things constantly. And if we, if we don't stop it will destroy you. In fact, I'll say it like this. If you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. It's the absolute truth. And maybe you just need to take some inventory on your life right now. Maybe you just need to stop and think seriously on what's, what's going on in your life. Maybe you need to stop and say, maybe my kids don't need to play all five sports at one time. Right? Maybe we don't need to go to everything. Maybe we don't need to say yes to everyone. Maybe we don't need to say yes to every invitation. In light of the fact that my days are numbered, maybe we don't need to say yes to everything. Maybe we don't need to try to do everything. In fact, this question would be a great question for you to write down. I, I would kind of sift my life questions through this. Does, does this even contribute to my purpose? Does this event, does this thing contribute to my purpose here in life? Because in light that my days are numbered, that what Daniel says, that your days are numbered and, and your life is just a mist, does this even matter to my purpose? Does, does this help me? Does this push me forward to where I'm going? In fact, Ecclesiastes, it says this. It says, it is, say, it, say, say this together, say, it is better 
Say one more. Let's, let's do it one more time. Say, it is to have only a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time. It's better. It is better to only have a little than to only have a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time. And some of you, you need to embrace this scripture. This needs to be your refrigerator scripture right here. That I am going to be content with what I have. And I'm going to take a little bit of inventory on my life and see whether the things that I'm doing are driving me home towards my true purpose in life. It's better to have a little with peace than to have, be busy all the time. And this leads us to our last one, which is Perez, which means your kingdom is divided. And so literally Perez means divided. And here's the prophetic warning here, is that if you don't realize that your days are numbered, then you will be divided. If you don't realize that your days are numbered, you're going to be divided and it will destroy something in your life. I can tell you I've seen so many people ignore these warning signs and they're too busy in their life and stuff's going on all the time and they ignore these warning signs and all of a sudden something is divided in their life. For some people, it's their marriage. For some people, it's another relationship. Maybe it's a friend. Uh, and for other people, it's their health. People who, who, who don't heed the signs, they, they lose their health. For some people, it's just their peace. Other people, it's just their insanity. They literally just go insane because they feel like they have to go and do something all the time. And, his, and in his case, in, Bel, in King Belshazzar's case, it was his kingdom. God divided his kingdom. And historically, this scripture is correct because it was written before this even happened. It goes on to say, and the kingdom will be given to the Medes and to the Persians. In fact, in history, that actually happened. And this scripture was wrote before that actually happened, before the Medes and Persians actually took over Babylon. And so we have to do this. And here's, here's the warning here, that is that we ignore the warning signs. And when our life is shaken up, we just shake it off. We leave it and we ignore the warning signs. And if we don't heed to the first two, that our days are numbered and that our life and that we need to get our life in order, I can tell you something in your life will be divided. Something in your life will be divided. And today, in fact, you probably knew all of this. Everything that I'm talking about today probably isn't any new information to you. You know all of this. You know that your time that, that, that you're wasting some time. But the thing is, is that you're not doing anything to fix it. You're not doing anything to help it. You're not doing anything. You're, not, you're, you're ignoring the warning signs. And we need to stop ignoring the warning signs because God will come along. And here's what God will do. God will give you a little bit of stress in your life. He'll give you a little bit of disruption, maybe in your marriage or in another relationship. And you think, wow, that disruption, that, that shake, that, that, that's really weird. That's really, really weird. But I, I really do believe that those are the signs that God gives us to help us see that we're ignoring who He is. We're ignoring the warning signs. And our job is to respond to some of that, some of that stress that you have. You don't just need to let that keep going. You need to respond to it. Because it's when we ignore those signs that destruction and division comes. That's, when, that's what happens when we ignore those signs. And I believe that our God is a good God. And He tries to warn us before He judges us. And sometimes it's painful. And I tell you that sometimes the warnings in your life are painful. And there's stuff that we don't want to go through. But they're for 
the best because he's, it's actually a gift because he's trying to tell you what's wrong in your life. And so some of you, you're going through some very serious pain right now. You're going through some very serious pain in your life and you've got some disruption in your marriage. You've got some disruption in your friendships. You've got some disruption at your job. You've got, you, you've got disruption everywhere and you just need to understand that these are just the warning signs. They're just the signs to get you right back on the right path. And so, if you have any of those signs, maybe you need to just evaluate your life a little bit. Maybe you just need to take a step back and say, you know, what, what, what is important in my life? God, what are you trying to show me through these warning signs? Just lift your hands and say, God, what are, what, what are you wanting to show me through this stress, through this anxiety, whatever it might be, what are you trying to show me? And so some of you, you're going through this pain. And I, I even wrote down a little bit of warning signs, and they're not in your notes, so if you want to, you can write these down if you please. But here's one of the things that I believe God warns us with is that, is that whenever we are warned, and in fact, we ignore some of these are some, let me say this, let me start over. These are some of the warning signs. Here's a warning sign. That the risk of sinful choices in your life increases. If you're in here this morning and you've been tempted more and more and more lately, and you've been caving into temptation, in fact, whenever you study how people fall, when you study, in fact, when you study how a pastor or, or some type of, or, or even just big leaders in the world fall, the common denominator is that they were overstretched beyond their limits with their time. So many leaders, they fall because they're just tired and they're wore out. And can I tell you that the devil will wait until you're good and tired to come and attack you. Sometimes he'll, he, he attacks all different ways. But one of, the, one of the ways that I think is his favorite is he wants to wear you out. And when he wears you out, it's bam, he's there. And your greatest temptation is there at the end of the day. It's right there, and He tries to wear you out. And so if, you're the, if, if your sinful choices have increased, watch out because the devil is trying to wear you out and to get you to fall. Here's another warning sign. Maybe your emotions are inconsistent. Maybe you're bumping your neighbor right now like, that's you. Your emotions are very inconsistent. So like, uh, and, and so if you're, if you're flying off the handle all the time, some of you, you're just mad for no reason. You just wake up mad and, you, and, and, and you're in your car and you're yelling at cars that, by the way, can't hear you. They can't hear a word that you're saying. You're waking up and you're screaming at the dog. Like you're, you're, you have, your emotions are so inconsistent. And some of you, maybe you're doing that. Maybe you're actually screaming at the dog and you're like, and you take a step back in your life and you're like, man, that's just not me. Can I tell you, that's a warning sign. That is a warning sign. It's your soul trying to tell you that there's something wrong. There's something wrong in your life. And so watch out because when your emotions are inconsistent, that's just another warning sign. Here's another warning sign is that I am less productive. Maybe you don't have motivation to even get out of bed in the morning. I've suffered with this right here, right? I've been totally less productive. And what I've had to realize is that it's just a warning sign. That I've fallen away. In fact, I, 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 I've fallen away from, from, from studying my message. I've fallen away from doing some chair time. And because of that, I'm less productive. It's amazing if you would just make yourself get up in the morning and maybe read a scripture or two, how much more productive you can be. It's amazing. And so when you're less productive, it's just another warning sign. And so many people, uh, we, we don't honor God's principles. In fact, God has a principle of the Sabbath. 
He talks about the Sabbath, and it's just, it's, and I think people get this confused. The Sabbath is not just going to church for an hour. That's not what it's meant to be. The Sabbath is, is, is meaning that you need to take the rest of the day off. I want to challenge you that you need a Sabbath in your life. You need a day where you can just cancel all the activities that aren't replenishing you. Cancel all the things. In fact, I would challenge you to do this. Sit down and eat a meal at a thing called a table. Like, physically sit down. Sit and talk to your families. Dads, on Father's Day, I don't know what, I, I don't know anything better that you could do, but then maybe sit down and have a family meal together and talk to each other. Wouldn't it be amazing if we would just talk to each other and then after that, I would just grab your wife's hand and take her for, say, honey, we're going to go on a walk, all right? And after she passes out, you can go pick her back up and take her on a walk, all right? And so <laughs> do these things, like do some just very simple things. Have a Sabbath. Replenish your soul. Take a day off. And I tell you that you were never designed to live at this pace of life that we're living at now. We were never designed as human beings. We are not designed to live at this fast-paced life. And because we do, so many of us, we see so much destruction in our lives. Replenish your soul. And here's the most important one. Here's what people like to talk about all the time. That I can't hear God. And I just, I just can't hear Him. I just really need God to speak to me right now. Like It would just be great if he, could just, if he could just vocally talk to me. And when people tell me this, my response is this, is that he's speaking. The God of the universe is speaking to you. And the problem is not that he's not speaking. The problem is, are you listening? Are you listening to him? Are you quieting your soul? Are you taking some time on your own to just stop and turn everything off and actually Listen to God. In fact, is your world quiet enough for you to hear Him? And if your world, if, if, if so many of us, we've got billions of voices screaming at us. And whenever you've got billions of voices screaming at you all the time, you can't hear anything. God, He wants to talk to you, but you have to quiet your soul. What am I talking about? Give Him 15 minutes to challenge you. Just 15 minutes. Many of you, you probably... You're probably like, well, I'm way past 15 minutes. Good for you. Start with 15. Just start by turning off your phone. Just quieting your soul. Turn off the TV. Like, make it awkwardly silent in your home, all right? Get in a closet. I don't know what you've got to do. Just get in a place where you can focus and say, God, I'm here and I'm listening. And so many of us, we can't hear God because there's just voices shouting out. In fact, turn Facebook off in the morning. Don't scroll through your newsfeed. Shut out all the other voices and hear from God. And these are all great things, but the unfortunate part about this story in the book of Daniel is that Belshazzar didn't listen to any of them. The king didn't listen to any of these warnings. Instead, here's what happened to wrap up the story. Uh, wait, I guess I skipped a scripture. Never mind. Let's go back to this. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. So basically, listen to him. Quiet to yourself and listen to him. Sorry, I skipped a scripture there. But then the king, he didn't listen. Here's where we are. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple and a gold chain 
was placed around his neck, which, by the way, he didn't even want in the first place. And he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. So what can we learn? What can we learn? Noah, you've got like five more minutes. What can we learn? I'm going to give you three things in five minutes that you can learn. Are you ready? Get your writing utensils out. Here we go. We are, number one, live with a sense of purpose and urgency. You've got to remember that your days are numbered and your life matters. And can I tell you, so many of you, you think that, no, my life doesn't matter. Can I tell you that if you are here and you're drawing breath this morning, your life matters. In fact, I follow a pastor on Instagram and I love what he says. In fact, his, his church is even called Second Chance Church. I'm like, what a great name for a church. But he says this all the time. He says, if you're not dead, God's not done. It's as simple as that. Many of you, you're living and you don't think you have any purpose, but it's true that if you're drawing breath, God wants to do something in you. And whenever you find your purpose, can I tell you, when you find the purpose in your life, it'll start solving some of the problems in your life. Some of those problems will start going away. And whenever you have purpose bigger than your problems, that's where you want to be. You want to have some purpose that's bigger than your problems. And in fact, that's why we're doing a team night. Team night is scheduled for this Monday. It's tomorrow. It's tomorrow night at 6.30. If you are looking for purpose, can I tell you that we are here, this church is here to help you discover purpose. And for so many of you, you don't really even recognize what purpose is. And can I tell you that so many of us, we think that we need, that it, purpose will be, I, I, it has to be a specific, strategic place. Can I tell you that you never discover your purpose just right away? It doesn't just happen in a snap. In fact, for so many people, it's just getting involved somewhere. And then you go on this journey like, hey, maybe you're involved as an usher or a greeter at the door, and you might come to me and say, Noah, that job sucks. I don't want that job anymore. But we'll move you to a different position to help you find your purpose. And can I tell you, eventually you really do find your purpose. And I do believe that that's what the church is here for. The church is here to help you find your purpose. And can I tell you that if you would just give us a chance... Give us a chance, and I can tell you that it, we will send you on a spiritual growth track that will give you, that will lead you to your true purpose in life. But here's the deal. You've got to start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere. You're never just going to find exactly what you want immediately. You've got to start somewhere. It's a spiritual journey. So team night, if you're looking for purpose, I can tell you that that is tomorrow night meet us there and we will get you plugged in and we will give you some purpose in life and not only purpose but we also have to live with urgency in fact i know a pastor who says this he says today i will make a difference in somebody else's life today i will make a difference in life and so so many of us what would happen if we today would would make a difference and decided that we would live with some urgency and make a difference in someone else's life. What would happen if we lived like that? Psalm 39, it says, Lord, remind me of how brief my time is on earth. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. In fact, it goes on to say that my life is no longer 
than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. Dad, live with purpose and urgency. Here's number two, really quick. Put first things first. Put first things first. And I'm not going to give you a whole time management seminar right now, but I, am, I want to encourage you to start putting the most important things in your life first. In fact, if you want to know more about this, we did a whole series in January about putting first things first. Go back and listen to that series and make sure, make sure that your first things are taken care of. Can I tell you that whenever you make sure the important things of your life are taken care of, everything else will fall into place. That's what that whole series is all about. So go watch that or go listen to that and put first things first. And in fact, Jesus says this. Jesus says, teach us to number our days. Jesus didn't say this, sorry. Psalm 90, verse 12, it says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. And then Jesus says, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Honor what Jesus says. Put the important things in your life first and then the rest of it will just be given to you and you won't even have to worry about it. And here's number three, the last one. You need to do it right now. Like, start these things now. Don't wait until you talk about it later on. Don't wait until your small group. Don't wait until I, I, God knows when, man. Do it now. Like, start it now. And for so many of us, that's the struggle. I can talk about really great things from up here. I can talk from really awesome things about, about how to live your life up here. But if you don't start doing it now, you're never going to do it. That's the challenge. Start living your life with urgency. And don't just wait till tomorrow to do it. Stop putting it off. Do it now. And I'm just trying to be a good pastor for you. Because I don't want you to end up like Belteshazzar. I don't want you to end up like the king. Because his stuff was destroyed. He literally died the next day. Don't end up like him. Heed the warning signs. Heed the signs from the book of Daniel and realize that maybe my life is just a little bit too busy. Maybe I need to listen to God. And I tell you, listen to God. And He will give you. <laughs> he, and He gives us Scripture so that we never have to feel this destructive kingdom. I really do believe that God gave us this passage from Daniel so that we never have to experience what Belshazzar did. We never have to experience how His kingdom suffered. We'll never have to experience. But it involves you. It involves you to do it now. You've got to start today. Don't put it off. Do it today. And it starts by getting closer to Him. It starts by getting closer to Jesus. In fact, I'm going to end on this scripture. It's found in 2 Corinthians. It says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Don't put it off anymore. Now is the day. In fact, I truly do believe that culture's greatest corporate is a worn out life. Culture wants to wear you out so the devil can come in and bam, tear your life up. Don't let him do it. Don't let him wear you down. Don't let it happen. Instead, recognize that your time is limited and you only have a certain amount of time 
here on earth. Heed the warning signs from Daniel. Let's pray together. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? This morning, some of you, you need to take literally what this verse says, that now is the day of salvation. Now is the day for you to turn your heart towards Christ. And I tell you, you can try, to, you can try all the time management tools in the box, but if you don't have Jesus with you, none of them are going to work, all right? Some of you, for, for this morning, some of you, this is your day that you need to accept Jesus into your life and you need to make him the Lord of your life. And now, right now, is the day for your salvation. If that's you in this building today and you say, the time for me is now. I want salvation now. I want to accept Jesus now. I wonder if just on the count of three, would you just poke up your hand? I would just love to see your hand. Are you ready? One, two, three. Would you lift your hands? You say, the time is now. Thank you. Thank you. Right, right there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you so much. Put your hands down. Church, because we believe in this prayer, we're going to pray this all together. Say this after me. Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I accept you right now. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.